My name is Pastor Derek, and I want to welcome you to Connect. And uh, man, thank God for AC, right? I mean, but at the same time, woo, it's freezing in here. I don't know what's going on. But uh, I mean, we're all going to stay awake, all right? We're all going to stay awake. Well, I just want to welcome you to Connect if you're here for the first time. And, and I, I definitely want to welcome all our online viewers as well. We're so grateful that you guys take time out to watch these services. Our engagement continues to grow in our online viewership through YouTube and our website and even Facebook Live. But I especially want to give a warm welcome from Ashland to our Framingham campus. Come on, Ashland. Can we give them a big hand? We love you guys over there. We're pumped that you're with us in church today. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all the things that uh, the Dream Team's doing over there, serving, getting up super, super early to set up and tear down. You know, we have a permanent site here, and, and Framingham is a mobile campus that's meeting at Cameron Middle School in Framingham. And every single week, there's uh, big trucks that show up, and we unload church and unpack it and make, it, make a school look like an incredible, incredible... And by the way, it looks incredible over there. You guys do an amazing job. Uh, there are signs. You can see them from uh, way down the street, and people showing up every single week there. And engaging in a new location. We love you over there in Framingham. Can't wait to see you. Amen. Well, um, I just want to say also on that announcement that just came through um, with the Sunday Fun Day, uh, it's great to have fun. Don't get me wrong. I want to have fun, and, and we want to get... We want to get wet, and we want to have lots of sugar, and it's going to be great. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of games, and, and there's a baptism, and there's a baby dedication, and this crazy service. But it's an awesome service to invite somebody to church. And so I just want to encourage you, um, anything you love shows, but one of, that's one of the values we have. But another thing we always say is that Christianity is like breathing. You take things in, and then if you don't exhale, you blow up and you get weird. You know what I mean? You just become like, just so heavenly minded. And a lot of Christians are like balloons. They're just floating up in the sky, but they're just, they're doing nothing down here on earth. And so one of the best ways to make your Christianity real is to tell somebody about your faith, to tell somebody about your local church. You don't even have to do a lot of, you know, Bible thumping and stomping in the scriptures, but you just say, hey, just come and see. You got to come to my church. And we got this fun thing that's going on and, and uh, there's great stuff stuff for kids, and it's been an incredible influence on my family or my life, and invite somebody to church. You can change somebody's life. You can change somebody's eternity. Can I have an amen? Great Sunday to do that, July 29th. Well, we're in a series. This is actually the final installment of the Tree of Life. Everybody say, aww. You guys, sincerity is so, so amazing and so genuine here at Connect. Well, if you weren't uh, here in the beginning, week one we talked about uh, kind of a foundational message for our local church. Uh, for this expression of, of, of a church, Connect, uh, we talked about the tree of life. What is it? And um, just, just a critical message, uh, really looking at two kind of lenses of life, two approaches to relationship with God and with people by looking really back in the garden at two trees that were there. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. While they were literal trees to those of us who believe in the Bible, uh, it, they were also symbolic. They were symbolic of an approach to life. And, and one was, is through kind of religion and through knowledge, and, and the other one is through relationship and life in Christ. And then the second week, uh, we talked about a secret to staying in or living through that tree of life, way of life, what we call being life-giving. 
And there's this tendency for us as Christians to uh, know that that's the better way to live, but we swing sometimes to another tree. We swing over to this tree of knowledge, and, and, and the results of that are, are, are detrimental and destructive, and spiritually it brings death to our lives. And so how do we keep from swinging to the true trees? We talked about the secret being the crucified life, what it means to live uh, the crucified life, not to deny, to have self-denial, but to have denial of self. And, and Jesus told us to, to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and to follow Him. Can I have an amen out there? And then in week three, we talked about grace, amazing grace. What's so amazing about grace? Well, it's the fuel for our faith and also our faithfulness. And I just encourage you to, to, to get a real revelation of grace because it's it's, it affects even what we talk about today. It's a, it's a lot of the motivation for living uh, the Christian experience. Otherwise, without that revelation of grace, it becomes just so difficult and so uh, tedious to be able to try to walk and talk with God as He's encouraged us to do. And then last week was a unique message uh, for those of you who were here. How many were here last week? Raise your hand if you were here. Uh, if you weren't, I just encourage you, like always, uh, you should you should you know stay engaged in church. I know people have to go on vacations and spend you know time away sometimes from the services, but make sure you don't you don't take a vacation from God and from your local church. And we offer ways for you to engage by going online. And there's, in fact, you could just go to YouTube and 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 subscribe to Connect Church cha- channel, and it'll just send an email of the service right to your uh, every single service will be sent right to your email, so you can stay up to date on what's going on at at church. But last week, we talked about uh, our relationship with God as sons. Now, sons not being just gender-specific, but it's really, it, it's talking about a mindset that we have. Are you a son? Are you a slave? Do you have, what mindset do you have? What's your attitude uh, towards God and what's your attitude towards the people that He loves? Um, one of the weeks that I pulled out of this series that I'm going to put in another series actually comes from the fifth chapter of Galatians chapter 5. And so in your own study, some of you might, you know, that have been reading the, this particular book of the Bible, you probably would have come to me after and said, wait, Wait a second, you skipped a chapter, and I want you to know I know that. I skipped a chapter because I'm going to do a whole series on living by the Spirit, and that's what Galatians 5 is all about, really how to live, it's a big term, but the sanctified life, how to, how to continue to walk in holiness and avoid uh, some of the sinful entrapments of this life. How many of you are interested in that at some point? And so I'm going to do a series on that just so you know. But today, uh, everybody say today. We're going to talk about uh, kind of the responsibility that comes with our freedom. There's a responsibility that comes with our freedom, and Paul gives us a picture of freedom in the Scriptures. And if you want, you can look at your notes or your worship guide. I encourage you to take notes in this particular message, really all of them, because that's how you really retain what is being explained in the process. But we need to understand what freedom looks like. And the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is kind of a picture that, that Paul's life uh, of Paul's life and a promise of really what freedom uh, looks like. And he shows that our lives are not to be centered on uh, a code. Our lives are not to be centered on uh, laws from the Old Testament or rules and regulations, but our lives are to be centered on a person. Jesus Christ. It's a very different way of living, and through this relationship uh, with Jesus, we experience freedom, and Paul kind of invites us to this, to this promise 
But I will say this, it's a journey. Can I have an amen out there? To live a life of freedom, I don't really believe we're ever completely free. I think we're in the process of getting free. We're in the process of freedom. We're, we're on a journey, and we might as well enjoy the journey because until we get to heaven, we're not going to experience like total and complete freedom. It is a process. And, and, and I've been on this journey myself, and I, going back many years ago, um, I made a decision to become a Christ follower um, for reals. That's how my, my kids used to say it, for reals. You know what I mean? It's like, for reals. Turn to your name and say, for reals. Okay, so I just want to make sure you're getting that. For reals, when I was about 16 years old. And it was a difficult time to make a commitment to... Uh, to, to be really all in with Jesus. And, 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 and the reason that I kind of came to this place is because I think in that particular phase of life, uh, teenagers and whatever, especially if we've encountered God in any way, shape, or form, we're struggling with the duality of our life. Like we know what's right, but we really like what's wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to go to heaven, but I'd like to get married first. You know what I mean? And, and you guys can fill in the blanks on that. And so, uh, and so I, and, but there's this wrestling match. And I think all of us have this, this desire to be congruent as a Christian. Like, I want to, I want to say something, but I'd like it to be actually a reality or manifest in my life. But, but it's a struggle. It's part of our journey. And, and I remember at that age trying to be a, a good Christian, at least look like one. <clears throat> and it was difficult. And yet at the same time, God was drawing himself, uh, drawing me to himself and calling me, and I felt like he had a call of God on my life. And, and I remember surrendering my life to him, and, and at that particular time, I was dating uh, a girl in high school, and her name was Noel, the first Noel and, uh, of my life. And um, I remember when I was uh, in this relationship with her, uh, she didn't even know I was a Christian. She didn't know my father was a pastor. That's how ashamed or, or how incongruent I was in my faith. It's crazy. You know, I'm going to church on Sundays, literally, and I'm going back into school, and there was, you wouldn't know I was a Christian at all. And so I was just living a total, just kind of dual life, and I was, I was sick of myself. I couldn't stand myself in a sense, and I was sort of depressed, and I, I just had this defining moment where I'm not going to be this way anymore, and I'm, uh, I'm disgusted with myself, and, and I'm going to live this life no matter what. And, and the struggle was, was, and this may relate to some of you even today, the struggle was I was preoccupied with personal performance and people's approval. I had both of those things going against me. I mean, I was a very competitive by nature person. Anybody competitive out there? Like, I was extremely competitive. So, like, when I was in church, I was going to be the person who knew all the Bible verses. I was going to win every single sword drill. You know, I was going to be the super servant. I was going to be the obvious leader. But then when I was in school, I was going to be the most popular. You know, I was going to be the best dressed. I was going to have the best sneakers. It's still a problem today. You guys need to check those out right there. You see those out? So okay, all right, all right. I mean, it's it just so. Uh, I, like I said, I'm I'm on a journey. I haven't worked it all out yet. Okay, and so uh, I was on this roller coaster. Uh, to, to try to live this consistent, congruent life. And sometimes I was on fire, and sometimes I was, you know, just burnt out and, and not living the life of, of God. And so I remember going to, uh, to my girlfriend's house, and I called her up before, and I said, listen, I need to talk to you about something. And this is what I wanted to talk to her about. I wanted to tell her that I had dedicated my life to Jesus Christ. Even though I had been raised in a Christian home, and I was, I was, my, my parents were Christians, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. And, and we're all his creation. 
salvation, but we have to choose to be his child. And I came to that place where I had to choose to be a child of God and be a follower of God. And I'm determined I'm going to tell Noel about my faith in Jesus Christ. Because after all, if I really care about her, I should care that she knows Jesus. And so I call her up and say, Noel, I need to talk to you about something. She says, that's funny. I need to talk to you about something. I said, well, that's great, but I need to talk to you about something first. And I'm on my way over there. She goes, well, this is really important what I have to tell you. I said, I promise you what I have to tell you is more important than what you have to tell me. She goes, I don't think so. I said, I think so. And so we get over there, and we have this argument about who's going to tell, you know, something important first. And so being the, you know, chivalry was still alive, I just said, okay, you go first. And she proceeds to tell me about her her father, who had left her, her, her mother, and they were divorced, and the reason they got divorced, because he ran off with a prostitute. Well, that prostitute ran off from him, broke his heart, and while she was living on the streets, an evangelist came up to her and led her to Jesus Christ. She got saved, came back to her, to her father, led him to Jesus Christ, and then he came to Noel and led her to Jesus Christ, and she says, and I'm here to lead you to Jesus Christ. <laughs> that happened. She says, so now what, did you, what would you like to say? <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. I got, I got nothing. I got nothing to say. I just started bawling my eyes out, to be honest with you. It was a defining moment in my life. I, I realized there was just shame and there was incongruency and there was all this stuff that was inside of me. And, and, and I, just, I just broke. And she says, what's the matter? I said, because I've been raised in a Christian home since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. My father's a pastor. What? I said, yeah, he's a pastor. He preaches the Bible. He tells people about Jesus every week. Why didn't you tell me? And I, I don't know. And, and I said, just last night, I, just, I, had, I, had to, I got on my knees, and I dedicated my life to Christ, and I was actually coming over here to talk to you about it. No way. And, 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 and it, was just this, it was just this defining moment. And, and I, I just got on fire for God after that. I committed I was not going to live like that anymore, and I was going to surrender my life to Christ. And, 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 um, and she got on fire for God, too, and we broke up with each other <laughs> because everything changed after that. Praise the Lord. And so and anyway, and, but, I, but if I'm honest with you, I, the roller coaster began again. And after that, it was, you know, I fell, I fell backwards again. And you know why? Because th this is just my story, and, and some of it is going to connect, hopefully, to you today. Uh, um, the church didn't help me that much, to be honest with you. The church didn't help that much. I mean, there were some things that were great about the church. There were things that weren't great about the church. I mean, I can remember, uh, I, I didn't have a great youth group growing up. Um, I, we eventually had one that I was, uh, when I was on staff, we had a good youth group. But when I, when I needed a youth group, I didn't have one. I had a guy with, like, overalls. You know, and a, we used to call him wife, wife beaten T-shirt. You know, he had like this, that, that it was a terrible, it was like this tank top T-shirt. And, 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 and I just remember just big guy and he, everybody come over the house and we're going to have a prayer meeting and we're going to confess our sins. Sign me up for that. <laughs> Weekend youth group, you know what I mean? And, and this is just my, I mean, and the snacks were terrible. It was just like Ritz crackers and smashed pea soup. I'm not kidding. I'm like, what is this? This is like prison. <laughs> and, and then it got better. It got better over the years. And eventually we started, you know, I don't, these, when I say better, I mean they started having lock-ins. How many remember back in the day when you had lock-ins? Take all these teenagers, you bring them to church, and, and you lock them up for the night. How many know that's not ministry? That is a house party, everybody. 
right? And, and it was just, and, and for, for the kids, it was awesome, but for the workers, it was prison, right? Okay, so it was just, it was terrible. And I just can remember, you know, uh, different church experiences and the ups and downs of them. I remember, like, there were some highs and lows with church, with music. Music was funny when I was growing up. I mean, I, the worship experience was not like what we were having here today. Can I just tell you that right now? I mean, back then, we had, you know, we'd have a girl on stage, and she'd have, like, a nylon string guitar, and playing it as hard as you can because it had to project through the whole auditorium because we didn't have a sound system, you know, and we're playing, we rush on the city, we run on the walls, but great is the army that carries out his word. Isn't that a catchy, catchy song? And then it would be like, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm in my holy mountain. That was the music that we had, you know, and then we'd transition to worship, and, 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 and the, songs would, 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 <laughs> the songs would change, you know, and we had like, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep fall. I like this one, love with him over and 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 over like over time, you know, and I'd be a kid in church, and I'd just be like, when is this going to end? It's like, it's just on, it's on repeat, you know, like, what's going on? We'd sing these songs over and over and over, and finally the music got a little bit better. We started, you know, getting like Amy Grant, you know, El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Go and buy a Hyundai. I mean, I, I didn't know what the words were after that, you know. Michael W. Smith came along, you know, looking for a reason. Flowing through the night to find my place in this world. That was a pretty good one. That was a pretty good one. That was a good one, right? Got, so there were highs and lows. There were highs and lows. And then years later, I got to skip ahead because I could get stuck in a whole genre here all day long. Trust me, I got a lot of them in there because I was raised in church. But years later, I went to college, I was exposed to kind of a global church, then I came out, I got married early, and, I, and it, one day I walked into this church and everything changed. Everything was different. And I was immediately impressed with the feeling of freedom, just the feeling of freedom. I had hoped for a church like this, I had longed for a church like this, I experienced it, I experienced pieces of that at different times uh, growing up. And, and just for me, I noticed everything was, everything was different. Everything was alive. Everything was free. Like the coffee was free. Uh, that was amazing. The food was free. Uh, CDs were free. People were giving away notebooks and clipboards for free. Like nothing, you didn't have to pay for anything. I, didn't, I, I was like, this is incredible. And then, glory to God, you went into the bathroom and there was this heavenly soap you went in the bathroom and you could have like stress-free soap and you could have rest soap and you could have energy soap and you could have sleeps. I was making like a soap cocktail and I'm rubbing it all in my hands and putting it on my face and, and I was emotionally confused but I was happy. I was happy and I went back into church and it was this incredible worship like there was today and there was a message and it was personal and it was relevant and everything was totally, totally different and I just, I just thought, this is incredible. And then I heard the pastor and, and he kind of, this words kind of marked me. He said, just sit back and enjoy church. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to serve. He just goes, let God lead you. Walk in freedom. And it just, it just marked me just marked me. I was different. 
And then, and, and this was in Alabama, and my wife and I, every time we go to Alabama, we'd always go to this church. And then the two of us, we'd start talking, and we'd say, we want that here. We want that, we want to experience that kind of freedom here at Connect, where you, where you don't have to, you get to. Where it's, it's a want to, where, the, where the, the, the desire and the motivation is there, and, and, and honestly, that's what we work to do. And we studied, and we bathed in a, what we call a life-giving church kind of model, and we, we've been working on that the, really for many, many years now, almost two decades now, and, and now I can honestly say Sundays are my favorite day of the week, and, and I'm not saying that as a pastor, I'm saying that as a Christian. Sundays are literally my favorite day of the week. Can I have an amen? And this is my hope for you. This is my hope for you in Framingham and for those of you who are listening online, that you would find a place of freedom and that when you, and when you come and you congregate with other people who are like-minded or pursuing God or whatever, that you would be able to experience some of that. And it may look different to you, and it may sound different, it may feel different to you, but some of you are on that journey, and some of you uh, have experienced that, and you know what I'm talking about. And before we get into chapter 6 in this particular uh, message today, I just want you to know the promises of God are real, and freedom is real. Can I have an amen? And, and the litmus test is that you don't got to do anything. You get to. You get to. Amen? You don't, you don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to read your Bible. You get to read your Bible. You don't have to spend time with Jesus. You get to spend time with Jesus. Can I have an amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good so far. Praise the Lord. So, so Galatians chapter 5, um, we're going we're gonna to turn there in verse 13 and following. Paul has done an incredible job in this particular book of the Bible, really just giving us a picture of freedom. That's all I was just doing there, was just giving you another picture of freedom. And he wants to teach you and me one more thing before he ends this letter, and it's an idea that we see uh, in, in chapter 5 before we get into chapter 6. He says this in Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers, or you could say sisters, were called to be what? You're called to be what? But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. So listen, freedom always has with it responsibility. If it's real freedom, it always has real responsibility with it. Otherwise, it's not freedom. I'm free to do whatever I want. Okay, well, just be advised. With that freedom comes responsibility. I feel a Spider-Man quote coming out of me right now, you know. Great power comes great responsibilities. Nope, you guys don't know that. Okay, praise the Lord. So you, my brothers, were called to be free, but not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, contrast, get ready, serve one another in what? In love. Serve one another in love. Up until this point, Paul has been talking about, he hasn't talked about this idea of serving because he's been wrestling for our hearts in Galatians 1 through 5. He's been trying to make sure you get this freedom right. Why? He knows if we don't, we're going to slip right back into religion. We're going to slip right back into works. We're going to slip right back into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's our nature. And so he's withheld this idea till the end. And then he goes on to say, the entire law is summed up in a single command, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Old Testament, all 600 commandments, that's what they had, wrapped up in one. Wrapped up in one. He, it's an oversimplification, but in the wrong tree, it is the hardest thing ever to live. In the right tree, it becomes, 
You become empowered to do that. All the rules, all the regulations uh, through, this, uh, through this particular idea, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and to the Galatian church at the time, this would, this would remind them of the frustration, those commandments and all their frustration because they knew it was impossible. Though the Old Testament was good, the Old Testament was good in terms of what it was trying to accomplish, but it lacked the motivation in order to live it out. It's quiet in here. It's quiet. Is everybody with me? So this idea of loving your neighbor, it, it's, 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 through, it's through relationship. Love is relational. You can't love out of duty. You can't love out of obligation. You can't love for long out of nobility and just good character. And so Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible tells us, uh, share each other's burdens. That's what serving is all about, sharing each other's burdens. And in this way, uh, uh, obey. And when you do it, you, you, you obey the law of Christ. The law of Christ, basically Paul is introducing a new law. I know the 600 laws you knew before, I'm introducing a new one. How do you know it's a new law? The law of Christ is a new law. Uh, in John chapter 13, verse 34, let me try to unpack that for you, um, because Jesus verifies this with his own words. He says, a new command, everybody say a new command. It's a new law I give you. Love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. If you receive the love, you can give the love. This, this, this missing motivation is critical because if you don't have it, uh, if it, then you fall into this Old Testament pattern. You fall into this uh, doing it out of duty pattern. And that's why it gets frustrating. That's why it's no fun. But Paul's saying, I've got a new opportunity for you. And as you experience the love of God, then your motivation changes so that you can love others. We love because we've first been loved. And so we don't have to create, we don't have to conjure something up to love. We don't have to buy something or acquire something to love other people. No, we, we've got this new law. I want to serve others because Jesus served me and gave his life for me. Can I have an amen? So for some of you uh, listening, uh, either location, serving's been a frustration. The idea of serving is a frustration. And some of you resigned serving other people. And I'm not just talking about through the local church. I'm talking about just people, just serving people. You know, we, we, we take pot shots in the family sometimes about, you know, we, hey, could you go get me this? Or, and, and we'll beg and we'll barter and we'll, you know, and, and, and so my daughter was asking me to do something for her. And I'm like, well, I'll do that if you'll do this. <laughs> Does anybody have these little games you play? It's because sometimes the motivation's gone. We don't, we don't have the right heart about it, and serving's become frustrating. And, and so serving, I would suggest to you, is, is a motivation issue, not a desire issue. It's, it's got to be out of your heart. It's got to not your head in order for it to be effective. And, 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 and though this is a spiritual reality, we know this to be true in the natural order of things as well. We know uh, it's, it's, if, if it's a spiritual reality, you can always see this in the natural as well. Isn't it true that when you experience something great, isn't it natural for you to want to give it away or share it? I mean, it's natural. You don't have to be told to share it. If it was great for you, if you experienced something and it was awesome, you want to talk to other people. Like good food, for example. Like P Pastor Jesus sitting in the front row, he's like, he's like an evangelist of food. He's a food evangelist. He's a food evangelist for sushi. Um, he's a gadget evangelist. He's like an evangelist for Apple products and things like that. And, 
And so when you get around him, you, just, you can just experience, you know, the passion that he has about sushi. And when he talks about it and, and all the S's, you know, and all the letters and everything gets all the vernacular and the different things, the descriptions and stuff. It's amazing. It's like me talking about Entenmann's Danish. Some of you been here? You know that I have a passion. I have a passion for raspberry Entenmann's Danish, okay? And I'm just putting that out there in case anybody feels the, the unction of the Holy Spirit to, to gift me in some way. Uh, it, it reminds me, one time I was, I was, I was in the prayer lines, and, and I was, we were having prayer after church, and, and, and I had this guy come down, and, he's, and he comes to prayer, and I said, sir, what can I pray for you about? He says, he whispers in my ear, he says, well, I want you to pray for me. He said, but, but I'm your answer. I'm an answer to your prayer. I said, what are you talking about? He says, I drive an Entenmann's truck. I said, well, praise the Lord. Can I get your number? He says, it's outside. You know, <laughs> see, people with passion, you know, I, I'm, I have a passion. I don't know what, why. I, I just like watching YouTube videos, to be honest with you, and, and, and I love to laugh. I'm usually looking for something funny, and, and it just it's medicine. I just like the escape of it, whatever. Judge me if you want. One of the things that I love to do is I love to watch fail videos or people falling videos, Let's just be honest, people getting hurt. And I share those things, you know, and I just, I just readily share it, and I just give those things away. I remember one I watched like a hundred times, this lady, and she, she was with another lady, and they were stomping on the grapes and making wine. I don't know if you ever saw this. They're stomping on the grapes, and this is TVs, and it's on, it's on the news. It's on a big channel, and all of a sudden, she just falls over onto the ground, and, and, and it's, I can't do justice to it, but she's like, oh, 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 and she's just, uh, she couldn't move, and, and I just shared that everywhere. Nobody had to tell me to do it. I am passionate about that. All right? And there's just this tendency, you know, that's why they call them viral videos. Viral videos is because people's passions just get shared and then it's contagious and before you know it, you're sharing it with other people. Hospitality services and, and people in customer service, they know this to be true that if people have a great experience, if they're taken care of well, you're going to share it with everybody. You're going to let everybody know about that. And when someone you know says something or has had some kind of a great experience or great encounter uh, with something or, 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 or tried something, you want to do the same thing. Is that not true? Yes or no? I mean, infomercials, Right? I mean, I remember years ago, I don't, I, I've got like three of them now, but I remember the first time uh, I'm on TV, infomercial, Jay Kordach comes up, the juice man. You know what I'm talking about? The eyebrows guy, that his eyebrows like this big. He looks like Spock eyebrows, and he's talking about fresh juices, and he's grinding stuff, and he's pushing all this stuff through, and everybody needs this juice. It's going to change your life, and I'm just like, sign me up right now, you know, and I'm credit cards, black belt and credit card. I'm just swiping them. Today, I have like three juicers in my house because <laughs> somebody was so passionate about that. And I, I'm trying to get a point across. People with, with, with the, the, the Fitbits, I, I don't know if you ever had anybody know what a Fitbit is, right? So I can remember making fun of people with Fitbits, you know, like some guy's talking about it. He's like, yeah, well, it counts my steps. I'm like, your steps? I mean, what? Like, you need to run, brother. I mean, like, you need to get on a bike. Count your steps. What the heck? And count how many hours you slept and all this kind of stuff. I was just making fun of it. 
until one day I'm in, a, I'm in a pastor's meeting with my pastor, and Pastor Chris pops out, and he's, he starts talking about his Fitbit. And he goes, oh, it's just incredible. It measures how much sleep you got last night and counts all your steps. And, 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 he's, just, he's, just, and, he, and he's a passionate person. He's a passionate leader. And so I go home, and I'm like, Stace, I got to get a Fitbit. I mean, I got to it counts your steps, and it measures your sleep, and it does all these things for you. And she's like, what? I thought you should make fun of that. And I'm just like... Pastor Chris has one. Can I just get one? I just want one. People, CrossFit people, CrossFit people, okay? Just, uh, I remember the first time, I, uh, you know, I'm getting around this person. Cross, if you get around a CrossFitter like in 10 minutes, you're going to know they're CrossFitter. Now, it's all keep our opinions because a lot of CrossFitters in here, and I like CrossFitters. Okay, and so you, you get around them in 10 minutes, and they are evangelizing. CrossFit will change your life. And the first time I ever went to CrossFit, somebody invited me to this workout. And, 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 and so for warm-ups, we were doing like 100 burpees. And just, just so I can be clear, Entenmann's Danish is from heaven and burpees are from hell. Okay? Just want to make sure everybody understands this. And then that was the warm-up. And then we're going to do this workout. And I didn't know. It was called the Murph. And so if you're a CrossFitter, you know that's a pretty tough workout. That was my first workout. It was awful. For like three, four, five days, I was in pain. I was sore. The sad part is I told everybody about CrossFit anyway because the guy who invited me was so passionate about CrossFit. Is everybody tracking with me out there? Here's my point. Whatever you're passionate about can make a huge or a big, big difference. And so serving God is not so much about what we do. It's about what we love. Oh, Get it, everybody? See, here at Connect, we love a lot of things, and we do a lot of things well, and, and you know, we, we, we like to do worship well, and we like to do things with excellence, and, we, you know, we, wanna, we have Starbucks coffee in the, in the lobby, and, and, and we do groups well, and all the different things that we do well, but the reason the church is, is changing and growing, do you know why? It's because of you. It's because of you, Framingham. The reason the church is changing and growing is because of you, and your passion about the things of God, about how God has changed your life, about the things that have happened in your, in your story, the things that are happening when you come to church, that's why. Amen. It's because of you. It's your passion. Passion is so critical. And so that's the new law of Christ. You've been loved so that you will share with others and that you will give it away. And so that's the heart of it. That's the, the motivation of it. But Paul doesn't leave us there. But I just want to make sure you guys get that. He, but he moves from the motivational to the practical, and he does this incredibly, incredibly well. And so he talks to us about how to make a difference or living to make a difference. I want to give you three points on how we can make a difference with our passions. Is everybody still with me out there? In Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 10, here's what, here's what Paul says. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, everybody say opportunity. opportunity. So we all have opportunity. Let us do good to just some people we like. No, it says, to all people, and then I love this, he takes it up a notch, especially to the family of believers. So here's three points. I want you to write these down. The first one is this. You need to identify your sphere of influence. So once you have this newfound freedom, 
you have a responsibility with that freedom, and you do that through your own sphere of influence. you got to look at the people that are in your life. Your life is not an accident. You even being here, listening right now, is not an accident. You're being beckoned by God to reach people within your sphere of influence and make a difference. And God in His sovereignty has chosen this time and this place and this space in your life to reach certain people. Can I have an amen? And you, you're called to reach. You've been, it's been ordained for you to reach certain people and to take responsibility for certain people that are in your sphere of influence. And, and, it's, it's, it's in a, and what's cool about it is it's in a contained area because we can't help everyone. We can't love and serve everybody. And in fact, sometimes we think, when there's a miss, it's a myth, a misnomer, misinformation, sometimes we think we're called to love everybody. We're called to change the whole world. We're called to serve everyone. No, and in the process of thinking that way, we are, we, we, we're inoculated from serving. We, we, it's, we diminish our efforts. It, in fact, it causes us to resign and just say, well, I can't make a difference because there's too much need. There's too many people out there. And God has not called you to love everybody. He's called you in, in the world. He's called you to love everybody in your world, in your sphere. Amen? And so don't get so overwhelmed by it that you do nothing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible says it like this, 10, 13. It, this is... Uh, um, it's from the ESV version, it says, but we will not boast beyond limits, but we'll boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even to you. See, God has assigned an area of influence to you. Everybody say that with me. Say, God has assigned an area of influence to me. God has given you an ordained area of influence, and, we, and I believe you know it. I believe you realize that. But if together we, we accept our ordained area of influence and reach them, we as in turn can reach and change the whole world. If Deej does his area of influence, if I do my area of influence, if Linda does her, if Bob does his, if people all take on their sphere of influence, your people, then that's how we change the world. Let me give you three things that are not in your notes. How do we do that? There's three areas of influence. The first one is my people, my people, my place, and my passion, and my passion. My people, those are the people closest to you. Those are your friends and your family. I believe your first responsibility is to your people, your friends, your family, the people you're going to do life with for the rest of your life. They need a touch from Jesus. You're the hands and feet of Jesus to those people. They're also the hardest people sometimes to reach. Can I have an amen or an oh me out there? Right? And, but but in the, the reason... Or let me just say it this way, that forces you to either get incredibly frustrated or become incredibly filled with the love and grace of God. See, you can, you, if you accept that assignment, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you, it's going to pull you, draw you, invite you into the tree of life. Because if you try to live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you won't be able to love them the way Christ loves them. Here's the second one, my place, right? My place, this is basically work. Or maybe you're a student. This would be, this would be where you go to school. Uh, these are the people that you're rubbing shoulders with on a regular basis. And, 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 and these people that are at work and these people that are at your school, let me just tell you something. They're not random. God puts you there to reach them. I'm going to show you this in the Word in just a second. For, for some of you in your job, your vocation is your ministry location. 
Say, so where's my ministry? On your vocation. That's where it is. On location, where you're doing your job, God wants to do an even greater job through you to other people. And then here's the one I love is my passion. Uh, this, is, this is an easy place really to end up uh, because this causes us to eventually get to a certain place with a certain people. When you, when you follow your passions and you sanctify them and you redeem them for a greater purpose than for yourself, which I'll come back to, it will lead you to certain people and it'll lead you to a certain place. That's where sports and hobbies and certain activities. I do a lot of evangelism, ministry, and serving through places that I have passion. Passion. And, and that's why we do Next Steps at Connect, because we're trying to help you. We're trying to take your passion and redeem it for ministry. That's the whole point of Next Steps, is to show you, hey, that thing you love, that thing you want to spend time doing, let's let, let's let God use that for his kingdom. That's the whole point of living on this earth because it's fun to do ministry when you're doing it within your passion. Then the motivation stays. It's just a part because you're, you're functioning and you're fit. You're not just doing it out of obligation or duty. Can I have an amen? Acts 17, 26, the Bible says it like this. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined, you might want to circle this, the times set for them and circle the exact places uh, they should live. So God chose your time and he chose your place. He puts you there so that you would find him and then he wanted to help, he wanted to use you to help others find him through you. Amen. So he, gave, he puts you at a certain time in a certain place to accomplish this. And some of you, you get frustrated because, uh, 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 you know, because there are a lot of crazy people around you. Does anybody get frustrated because there are a lot of, anybody attract a lot of crazy people? Like I'm a magnet for crazy people. My wife says it all the time. She says, you're just a magnet for this kind of stuff. Crazy things happen wherever you are. You're just a magnet. I could tell you stories till, till, till tonight. But, um, but the reason that that's happening is because God loves you and he trusts you with those people. It's true. I can remember one time I was telling my wife about this crazy, crazy situation, and, and, I, just, and, and I, you know, I, I love all people, but, so please don't make me qualify everything, but this crazy person. And so I'm telling about this crazy person, and I want her to say at the end of it, that's crazy. Like I was, I was, that's what I was leading her to. Just like, can you just agree with me? Like, that's crazy. And she goes, oh, that's, you're the perfect person for them, honey. And I was like, uh, should I be offended? Is she trying to say I'm crazy? But she was right. Once I got right, once I got where, where I needed to be in that tree of life, I realized, you know, I was the perfect person for this person, and I was able to help them. So sometimes these, these problems and these crazy people, they're great opportunities for God to show your, himself through you as you serve one another in love. Amen? Dino, uh, Pastor Dino was here recently, as you know. Uh, the, the, we call him Father Dino. And uh, he was... Um, he was telling me about a pastor who went to a certain city, and this pastor gets to the city, and he basically, he's, he's crying out to God, and then his crying out became complaining. Does anybody pray like that? Like, oh, God, these people. You know, and, and so, and so <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, it's me, you know. And so he's complaining, he's whining, and, and he's just, you know, God, what are you going to do with this mess, you know, this, this city that, and he says, in that moment of prayer, God replied to him and says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you into the middle of it to help them. See, so whatever crazy thing you're dealing with, see, you're not seeing that's, that's an assignment for you. 
It's it's an opportunity for you. And so God wants to get you out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and into the tree of life and and experience that freedom so that you can give that away to other people. We all have a sphere of influence we're called to serve, love, minister to. And and maybe there's some names and people that are coming to your mind right now. Number two, write this down. Here's the the other thing we do with this sphere of influence thing. We got to meet them in their place of need. Meet them in their place of need. Galatians 6, 2 says, basically, share each other's burdens. Why do we have to meet them in their place of need? Because everybody has needs, don't they? Christianity is when we we come along, we're shoulder to shoulder in their life, and, and we help people with their needs. But you can't, and you can't share a burden unless you're close to somebody, right? You can't share a burden unless you get close to that person and, and identify with that burden and understand that and, and kind of see the real side of people. And so I think as a ministry and as a church, we're supposed to, f- if, we, if we see a need, fill it. If we see a hurt, heal it. That's our responsibility as a church. That's the job of the church. And there are different types of need. There are physical needs. Those are the more obvious, you know, food and shelter and clothing. And, and, and there's so many cool ways that we can show random acts of kindness to people. And this should be a routine for Christians and a normal experience of life. I was watching the, uh, the, the movie that just came out. It's a fantastic movie called The Apostle Paul. I think that's what it's called. Amazing movie, but, but in, the, in, the, in, the er, in the era of Nero's reign, when he was, you know, burning Christians alive and all that kind of stuff, and there was all kinds of problems within the city, uh, all these Christians, instead of fleeing the city due to the persecution, they stayed to just help all these people that were sick and hurting and infirmed because they had experienced the grace of God, the freedom of God. They could not help but help other people in the process. And I thought, wow, how far we've come where we don't even see the need, we let alone meet it. We've come pretty far. But there are physical needs and there are emotional needs. Emotional needs might be some of the greatest where somebody just needs encouragement. Somebody just needs somebody to think about them. Uh, you know, the, and I, I don't mean to brag, this is not meant to do that, but, but sometimes I feel the Holy Spirit just saying, well, just pull over and text them right now. And I wish I did that more than I do, but I do that in a measure. And, but when I do those kind of things, it's almost always I get a response like, you have no idea how helpful that was to me, that encouragement that came when it came. They simply needed a friend. They simply needed to know somebody was there, somebody that was praying for them or thinking about them. Some needs are spiritual, and, and people just need you to pray for someone. When's the last time, don't answer this out loud, but when's the last time you prayed for someone? When was the last time your first response was to pray for someone? Listen, people that don't even believe in God will let you pray for them. They will. And this, what's amazing is when you pray in the name of Jesus, great things will happen in the process. And, 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 and God will use that. Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says it like this. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, here's the heart of God. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. What is he basically saying? I have a need. And you saw it. You didn't just try to blow it off. You, you, you came close enough to meet this need, and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, and I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then it goes down to the bottom. It says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. See, when we serve others that God loves, <coughs> you're loving God. And not one of those services or random acts of kindness will go unnoticed, and I promise you it makes a bigger difference than you could possibly imagine. When I, before I get to my last point, I remember I was in college, 
and I was struggling with the call of God in my life. In fact, there was just these different times where God would use people to help me over the, over a, 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 you know, not, not, not jump ship or fly off a cliff, but stay on the course. And, and I remember just dealing with the insecurity of the call of God in my life, and I was in my dorm room, and I was going to bed, and the door, somebody knocked on the door, and I didn't want to answer it. <laughs> just selfishly, I just didn't want to answer it, so I pretended I was asleep. And so, all of a sudden, knock, knock again, knock, knock again. I just ignored it. He's eventually he's going to go away. No, this guy didn't go away. All of a sudden, the door opens. I remember this light coming through my door, and a wheelchair rolls in my room. And this guy rolls in my room, and I knew who he was. He was, uh, like, the head uh, chaplain of our campus. And he rolls in, and he can see I'm asleep, and he goes over to uh, my desk. He grabs a sticky note, writes something, sticks it up on the wall, and then he leaves. And I was just sending him a message last night because I because I was thinking about this. And he, he, he'll have no, he didn't have any idea until yesterday how impactful that was. And he wrote on the sticky note, he said, Derek Fry, one day you will shake the nations for God. You'll shake the nations for God. And I sent out, I sent him, I said, I said Chris, uh, it's been 25 years. <laughs> and uh, you'll never know where I was at that particular time. But I'm not maybe shaking the nations, but I'm speaking to them. And I've been able to sow into different places and do different things. But you helped me by meeting an emotional need that I had at that particular time to get over some fear and insecurity that was in my life. And I just wanted to thank you for that. You don't even know how sometimes the smallest things can make such a big difference. And 25 years later, I'm remembering that guy did that for me. You need to serve people in love. Last point, is everybody with me? Point them to Jesus and his church. At the end of verse 10, Paul says, we do good to others, especially to the family of believers. That's referring to the church. And, and so if we point them to Jesus, if, if that's great, but the Jesus and his church, they work together. It's amazing how many people will accept Jesus, they'll accept Christ, but they won't accept the body of Christ. I could have got a better amen in this house. Some people will accept Christ, but they don't accept the body of Christ. That's the local church. And so you have to be careful. If you don't, if you don't enroll in and become a part of the local church, then when you're sharing each other's burdens, before you know it, you can be taking those burdens upon yourself. We're not called to do that. I can get close to people sometimes without even knowing it, and I take on that burden. And when I'm taking that on, I become people. They become people dependent on me. Instead, I'm supposed to be helping them become God-dependent on him in the process. And so everything we do within the church, we do in the name of Jesus. We don't do it in Derek Fry's name. We don't do it, you know, uh, it's, it's not the kindness of Derek. It's the kindness of God that leads him to repentance. It's the name of Jesus that heals him in the process. And so as we love others, we love them in the name of Jesus. And so as we serve, meet needs, pray, talk to people, we do it as unto the Lord. Because, because when we're sharing burdens, only, remember, that's cool, but only Jesus can take a burden away. We share burdens, but only Jesus can take a burden away in the process. Matthew 11, the Bible tells us to come to, come to me, all you are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Point people to Jesus. Point people to the local church. Point them to his house. There is nothing more powerful than the local church. And my last scripture today, because I'm just going to end it here in Psalm 92, the Bible says this. Look at this. This is so cool. But the godly will flourish like palm trees. Whenever you see palm Palm trees, it's always a sign of health in the scriptures, and grow strong like cedars of Lebanon. Why? Great, crazy translation. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. 
In other words, we take people from the world and we plant them and we plug them in to the house of God. We plant and plug in. Okay, so our, our goal is to plant and plug in. What happens when we do that? The Bible says they flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. So we point them to Jesus. We point them to the church. We transplant them from the world, plant them into the house of God, and plug them into their purpose so they can make a difference for God in the process. Church is not about how many converts we can get. It's about how many people we can love. That's what God's trying to do. I'm so thankful for the local church, everybody. I really am. It's your greatest part. One of our core values is church. You know, we're just kind of one big family. The church has changed, has changed my life. Small groups, if it wasn't for small groups, I wouldn't be in ministry today. I'm so thankful as a parent and as a, and as a grandparent now of two grandchildren. I'm so thankful for the lo- local church where my kids are going to grow up and connect kids and, and activate and, and change up and 508. 508 had 22 decisions for Christ this last Friday night, everybody. It's amazing, right? You need a place, you need a place where your kids can learn how to live God's way. You need a place that partners with you. Let the church be your best friend. It wants to be your best friend. I want everybody to have that. Uh, know, know their sphere of influence and have the same blessing, blessings that, that I've had where you can kind of grow and produce and bear a lot of fruit and flourish. Amen? Amen. Why don't you just close your eyes? I'm going to pray for you. I'm just going to ask the campus pastors to come and join me in the conclusion of this service as we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, for every person that's here today, I pray that there would be within their heart a desire as we conclude this series to choose freedom every day. Lord, it's a choice. We can, we can live in this tree or we can live in that tree, but we have to choose every day to live in freedom. As we choose to live in freedom, I pray, Lord, frustration go, uh, the duty and obligation go to serve God, but that we would do what Paul said, that we would serve one another in love because the motivation is we've been loved so much. Now, Father, if there's a person here today that's not received the love of God, never really encountered or experienced the love of God, I'm going to lead them, Lord, to you the best I know how. And so if you know God's speaking to you and you've never made that decision to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, he wants desperately to be in relation with you. I I can't wait to introduce you to him. And it's a simple thing. It starts with a prayer. It starts with a confession of your mouth and a belief in your heart. And when you make that confession and when it agrees with what is in your heart, God does something incredible on the inside of you. But that's, that's a decision that you have to make. And if you know that God is talking to you and you want to make that decision today, I'm just going to ask you to boldly raise your hand right now. Just say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you down front. Right there in your seat, just say, yep, that's me. I want to pray that. I don't want to leave today without that assurance, that confidence. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's cool. Church, would you pray this prayer with me and join those that are agreeing and saying that prayer for the first time? Just say, say, Jesus, I invite you into my life of my own free will, I receive grace, the grace of Calvary. You died for me. You paid for my sins. (laughs) I couldn't pay for them myself. You rose on the third day so I could overcome in this life. I receive that by faith in Jesus' name. Today is the day of salvation for me. And all God's church said, Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Thank you guys for your attention. God bless you all. Come on up, Nancy.